another edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. We got a podcast with me and Nishan today. It's all been some time Yo, to you, but Nishan, how's it going? You know, everything is good. Basketball is good. This is the first year I feel like uh, games this late in the season matter. I mean, the, you know, we'll talk about it, but the Western Conference is so tight that it's, it's almost like uh, there's less teams tanking and all these teams want to make the playoffs. And so for the first time ever, I feel like basketball is actually really, really, really good during this time of the year. I don't know what you think. I mean, 100%. I mean, if you look at it in the West, from like the Clippers uh, to the uh, the Pelicans, they are separated by three games in the loss column. Clippers have 33, the Pelicans have 36, who are at number 12. Blazers are not too far behind, they're at 38, but... In the West, besides for Houston and San Antonio, like every other team has aspirations for the play-in, and even Houston. I mean, they just beat the the Celtics, and then they beat my Lakers last night. You know, there's really no easy easy games on the schedule. I would say. Then same with the East, like Charlotte and Detroit, kind of are the ones that are saying we're not trying anymore. But every other team is maybe at least they'll want want to make the play-in. And so just have like all these competitive games. Every team has about 12, 13 games left in the season. We're about just like the, the last four weeks of the regular season. Like, I mean, I agree with you, man. Every night. Yeah, it's insane. like we forgot the dog days of the basketball year. I feel like this is this is generally like the dog days. I guess the only team that's kind of dogging it right now is probably Denver. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you were texting me about the Nuggets. Like, what's wrong with them? I mean, I, I think that they're still four, even with this losing streak. They're still four and a half games up on the Kings and the Grizzlies. So I I think this is just like the classic, not much to play for. Like Murray's on a cold streak. Uh, although there's concern for maybe that right knee swelling that he had off after the All-Star break. That's kind of been quiet. People have been quiet about it. Um, no, Jokic probably just like taking it easy. And that that's probably what's wrong with that team. Uh, but, you're, I mean, in the East, right, we're seeing that with the Celtics, too. I mean, they got a good win in Minnesota last night, but they lost to Houston the other night. We would have never seen that. Uh, but got to love gotta love the teams. But I think we got to start with this, right? I think the reason we even wanted to pod is, like, you were just you texted me yesterday just saying, like, can we talk about how the NBA and Adam Silver is a joke in regards to this jaw situation? So I'm going to let you just have the floor, dude, like, what what's what do you you've been seeing the videos and interviews like what do you just give me your thoughts yeah well first i want to preface with you know we're both healthcare professionals if someone's going through a trying time i think it's really important especially in this day and age you know these are young young people that are put in such a stressful situation are asked to lead not just you know as athletes but also as people earning lots of money for their family so i i um this is the comments that I'm going to make have nothing to do with uh, John Morant himself as an individual and the experience that he's going through. I can't imagine how challenging it is. And, you know, everyone makes mistakes along the way. Uh, but I do want to make a comment on the NBA. Uh, I feel like the NBA in recent years has been um, pandering a lot to 
the players and to the media. And I think in some ways, this this is uh, the the jaw situation is like a slap on the wrist. Personally, I think if they truly think that he was troubled and he he had issues that were off the court, it's not like Jaw was having issues on the court with players like getting into fights in specific. I mean, Dylan Brooks takes care of that for the team, but um, <laughs> it's not like Jaw was getting on getting into fights. So I think what my opinion is either they should have done nothing as the NBA. I mean, he didn't necessarily violate any conduct on the court. Of course, he's a face of the NBA, so. Um, he has some accountability, but this eight-game suspension seems like just like a slap on the wrist for them to check a box of saying we did something because he's already missed six games with the uh, that he's been away from the team. Of course, he probably got paid for that. We don't really know how what the what how that worked out from the team's perspective, and he probably wasn't going to come back for another couple games. And so I was really, really, really annoyed with you know just this. It's, it seems like they just wanted to make a storyline just for the sake of making a storyline. I mean, let the guy have his time if he needs to be away from the team to do whatever rehab that he needs to do. One, I don't think rehabbing for one week, which is what I think that he's been doing, is really enough if you're truly suffering from uh, um, you know issues that are affecting your life outside of the court. But two, if you're Adam Silver, either you make an example out of him by suspending him and saying like you're you, you know every NBA athlete is a face of the franchise needs to make the decision do they want to be an athlete in the NBA because it's a privilege to be an athlete in the NBA or do they want to not be an athlete in the NBA because part of if if their uh, analysis is like you know athletes in the NBA are 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 a representation of the NBA and if they cannot do that in good faith then they shouldn't be in the nba that's one perspective and you know we got some commentary on it what Mello and david uh david stern talked about when Mello was having his off-court issues or two like support the player provide him with services provide him with time don't take his money or livelihood away and this way other players aren't going to come and say that they have a problem and need to step away from the team you know like i feel like you're sending a mixed message by suspending him for eight games which is really not doing anything uh, not really making an example out of him, but also not really supporting him. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree with the whole that this seemed like more of just a slap in the wrist for Ja. Uh, the we still don't. The problem is we don't really get a transparency in these investigations that the they are conducting. Um, they always say like we're conducting an investigation, like we're looking into it. Uh, we don't really know. Like, again, yeah, Jaw said in that interview the firearm was not his. Uh, but, like, whose was it? Like, what's the penalty for, like, possessing someone else's firearm, like, not under your name? Or, like, even if it was, like, someone in the traveling party, did it get on the plane? Did it get on, like, because that's, like, or in the locker room? Because we've seen that with the Gilbert Arena situation. Those would have been larger suspensions. Um, the eight games just seems like an arbitrary amount that they just came with. Um, and like you said, he had already he's already been out for six so it's you know that the team had kind of that he's been away from the team and so that was just like part of the suspension anyways so it's really only two more games uh, we we know that Josh said that he was troubled and he's been going through things and that's why he went to this counseling program to seek the help that he needed and that while he was there you, you know he went through different therapies to get help and he said that, you know, like, it's it's a change. Like, when you become the provider for a, bunch, a lot of people, and before that, he was just one of the guys. And so, 
I, I, I think the problem with these investigations, like, like even the tampering ones, right? I'm not comparing this to that, to the situation. We don't really know, like, how these fines or penalties get assigned. Like, what's the process by it? Like, there's, it's just, like, maybe that's not for the public fans to know. And that's, like, an internal investigation. I understand that. But it is, like, a little difficult. There's, we're like, what's the policy? Where's the consistency? And I think that's what we would like as fans. Um, not not because, like, you know, we want the Grizzlies to go in the tank or we want Jaws' career to end. It's just, like, if this has been a pattern of behavior, we've heard about the other incidents, whether it's, like, with the traveling party going after the Pacers, or, sorry, Jaws, like, uh, friends or whoever, close associates, um, pointing the laser at the Pacers' bus, the incident at his house where he uh, punched a 17-year-old, there was one at the mall. You know, there's been a pattern of behavior, and it seemed like this just happened now because it was on video and he had a firearm um in the video like but there seemed to be a pattern of behavior before this yeah and i think the thing that's disparaging to me is like you're giving a half-assed uh response to the situation right like if he has if there is like a lot of different uh scenarios that have been going on where you know he's had some off-court issues like that happens you know like you said this is you know it's a troubled and difficult situation for him and these kinds of things happen uh, but like an eight game suspension, like what is it really telling the player? It's either telling the player, like, don't make this public knowledge or now that he's seeking help, it's like, oh, well, like if you need to go seek help, you're going to have to do it without pay. Like, it's just like, I feel like it's sending a mixed message. And then the second thing is that, you know, the full interview is not out yet, but the clips of the interview with Jalen Rose were kind of disappointing for me. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm the only one, but to me, Ja didn't seem tremendously sincere in his in his response and uh, again i'm from the outside looking in i can't i can't really say but it's one of those like oops i got caught with the video so now i have to do these things rather than like if he is really if he really is struggling i i really hope that basketball is the last thing he's thinking about because he should get the help that he needs when he goes back into basketball these things aren't going to go away these stressors aren't going to go away unfortunately that's what it is like being in the limelight. And so unless he's going to voluntarily leave basketball and kind of fade to the background, I just hope that he gets what he needs right now so that when he comes back, he's ready and able to perform like, you know, the, the amazing basketball player that he is. Yeah, I mean, that the interview, the it was very choreographed. And I think on a pod that I was listening to on the Ringer NBA uh, group chat pod, uh, one of our favorites, Big Waz, but he was basically saying like... <laughs> Um, it was very like a corporate look, you know, with like he was wearing the Nike logo was out in front. Uh, and this, I didn't, I didn't pick up on this, but, uh, Waz was just saying like how, you know, Ja usually had like colored dreads and like, you know, that seemed to be a change. And it was like very, like every, everything seemed to be like a very professional and choreographed. And even his answers, it almost seemed to me like he was reading off a teleprompter the way it was coming out. And, you know that we know these players go through media training and this is just you know the league protecting its image and i'm sure he was like it's with espn who's one of the partners of the nba jalen rose like with espn i'm sure they went over the questions beforehand and like what jaw's answers would be and so yeah I, i i totally agree like i thought that interview was very choreographed it was like not i don't know if he was actually showing true remorse and so really, they, as they say, like, it's just actions over words. So when Jav returns to the court and, like, you know, for the rest of the season and really for, like, the foreseeable future, 
it's really going to be dependent on if we're going to actually continue hearing about incidents like we did or if they we, we don't you know because like if he gets his act together and he realizes like and i think this is a term that i've heard other players use like you just have to move differently just meaning that you know now that you're a multi-millionaire you're the face of a franchise face of a league possibly one day you know you just have to be careful with who you surround yourself with and how you behave both in public and private and i think this could be a learning experience for job but it, we won't know till like as like you were saying just moving forward yeah yeah I, i i wish him all the best obviously like this is a tough situation um I wish the NBA operated slightly differently, but um, you know that's easy for me to say. I mean, the, the players are the ones who generate the revenue, so it, maybe that's why you know Adam Silver has to pander to the players. It just seems like this is very different than the than the leadership that we grew up with, and maybe that just speaks to what society is like now. You know, like society was a little bit more paternalistic ten years ago, twenty years ago than it is now, and so maybe this is the free form society that we live in. Um, I think Ja will be back. You know, we're gearing up towards the playoffs. Memphis is obviously was essentially second seed for most of the year and first seed for some of the year. And so I think with Ja coming back, I do wonder how he's going to integrate back with this team. Like not from a player perspective. I think I think from a play perspective, he's already uh, had a lot of time with them and he's obviously played a lot of games with these players and they know how each other play. But kind of like from like a locker room perspective, I wonder if players are going to look at him differently. I would hope not. Yeah. If he was truly troubled, I would hope that his teammates would embrace him. But but I don't really know. I mean, you know, there's, you know, 14 other guys in that locker room. So I think we've so far, we've heard comments from like Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, just saying like, you know, they've been in touch with Ja. Uh, he's, they've been FaceTiming they, uh, with him after games. Um, and that they continue to support him. Dylan Brooks, I think, said, like, this is Jaws' team. We're just holding it down until he gets back. So it sounds like, you know, they, they're going to, they shouldn't have too many chemistry issues once he gets back. Um, and yeah, like, you know, Jaws missed time before in season. And, you know, when he's come back, he's been a seamless transition back into the team. So I think from that standpoint, it shouldn't be too difficult, like you said. Um, you know, I think it does help that Memphis is a team of like all guys around the same age. They seem to like each other on the court, um, off the court. Seem like you know they had good chemistry as well. So it's really just about I, maybe they'll use this jaw experience for the rest of those young guys too, like just a, a way to grow up. And you know, we we the Grizzlies are a young, exciting team. I feel like this year maybe the Kings have kind of replaced them as the darlings or the Cinderellas uh, that. The Grizzlies were last year. That's what the Kings are this year. But you know, you hope that this this is not a team that comes crashing and like stays uh, exciting moving forward. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think um, you know, let's pivot a little bit off of the the Grizzlies and John Moran. You know, looking back at last year, he was the most improved player. I'm pretty sure, even though um, you know he he wanted uh, Desmond Bain to win that that, that award. And so uh, let's look. You know, like like with many other people, we want to preface. You know, we're talking about this on uh, March 16th, and so this by the time that this podcast posts in a week or so, um, people's opinions may be different. But let's talk a little bit about awards, and we can we can start off with uh, you know most improved player, um, just because that's what Ja won last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I think this one is really down to two guys. I for me, it's either Barkanen or SGA. Um, but if I had to give it to one person, you know. <laughs> I think I, I would do marketing just because before this year, we knew that SGA was an all-star level player. 
Um, it's just that he always mysteriously missed the second half of seasons with some mysterious injury as the Thunder were just looking for draft picks. So we just didn't get a full season out of SGA because the Thunder were just not motivated to play him, to be honest. Uh, but we knew what the talent with SGA was. But Markinen has really been a revelation. I mean, this guy was 2017 draft, was in that trade that uh, part of that trade for Jimmy Butler when he was sent from Chicago to Minnesota. And so Chicago got the Minnesota pick that year, took Markinen, never really like was able to develop there. You know, the next year they took Wendell Carter. They thought maybe like that could be a good combo with Markinen's outside game, Carter's inside game. That never really took off. Played a year in Cleveland. He was the small forward, which. You know, you could tell it wasn't his natural position, but playing with Mobley and Allen, he had to do that role. But man, he's really found a home in Utah. Will Hardy's been a great coach for him. Made an all-star team. Like, no, I don't think anyone would have predicted that Markkinen would have been an all-star this year. So I think I'll give him the award. Yeah, I think I think it's also down to two guys. I, I personally probably take SGA. I think uh, the, the trickiness with these like most improved players uh, award is like, you know, he went from a, a player who had very low usage to a player that had very high usage. And after the, 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 the streak that Utah went on early on in the, in the season, they've been pretty mediocre. Um, you know, and I, I just think that the engine that runs the whole OKC franchise is SGA. And the difference is when you play those guys, you know, when you play the opposite team, I don't still think people are afraid of playing Markkinen. I think when SGA shows up, people are like, oh shit, like we got to play this guy. How do we stop this guy? How can we keep him out of the paint? And uh, I didn't think that SGA's ceiling was this high personally. And now I'm like, what is his real ceiling? Because we haven't even seen him with the best guys on this team. You know, they... They're going to get a top lottery pick this year. They have a crap ton of lottery picks in the future. Obviously, they have uh, top lottery picks in previous years. Chet Holmgren hasn't even played. And so, uh, personally, you know, I think SGA is the guy to win it. People are arguing now if SGA for Paul George even straight up was a smart idea, let alone all the other assets that were yeah. that were in that transaction. And so, uh, personally, I give it to SGA. For me, he's a little bit more fun to watch. I think they're both all-stars, you know, uh, but one is like an all-star, a game was in Utah, and the other is like an all-star, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't seen enough games for Markkinen, but like, you know, maybe he got a little a little help from it being in Utah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that definitely played a role. And also the fact with injuries in the West and like the... But, it's it's a tough stretch, and I think it comes down to what's the criteria. And again, with the NBA, they don't really give you criteria. It's like, is it the guy like who went from like the biggest surprise, like his minutes went up, usage went up, and like now he's doing much better, or is it just like the guy who like went from like a star, like you were saying, to like I mean SGA is like like superstar, top ten, like like you said, we don't know what is his ceiling, but I mean the way he's playing, like that's what it looks like when SGA is on, like and the Thunder are so good with him and so bad without him like when they're when he's not playing they basically look like the team that they've looked in the past couple of years just looking for t- looking to tank uh, but when he is on man that team is definitely a playoff team um yeah but next award let's do which one you want to do you want to do sixth man of the year uh yeah let's do six i figured like the most juicy uh... one is the mvp as it's been for every yeah we'll leave that for last. as it's been for everyone so 
I'll just give you some of the favorites that are listed for um, Sixth Man of the Year. So on FanDuel, at least, uh, Malcolm Brogdon is the favorite right now at minus 165. And then your boy Emmanuel Quickly is plus 165. So that's a close race. And then there's Bobby Portis, Malik Monk, Norman Powell, and Russell Westbrook. But uh, who do you got for Sixth Man of the Year? I'm assuming it's probably one of those guys. Well, so I'm a homer. I'm going to say... I think if you asked me like three weeks ago, I would have said Malcolm Brogdon is uh, is like far and away the the best guy there. Uh, that being said, people can't not look at what IQ is doing. I mean, this guy is incredible. He's amazing to watch. He has fun on the court. He is the energy driver on the Knicks. And you know whether the Knicks do well or fail. Uh, that's obviously not going to ultimately be up to IQ. But for a guy who's his height, who he plays hard on the defensive end, he can be a streaky shooter, but you know, historically the sixth man of the year always goes to the streaky shooters anyway. And like Jamal this Crawford game is fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, like Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, oh, yeah. like those are all like streaky shooters. Yep. Um, so for me, it's, 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 you know, especially now with the games that Brunson has been out and how he's been performing. Granted, shouldn't go into sixth man of the year because he's not playing sixth man. He's starting right now. But regardless, you know, I think with all the things that he's done over the last, essentially since December, I personally think IQ should win this award. Yeah, man. I mean, I realize Brogdon is the favorite, but I actually was going to say quickly too for this one. Uh, that game that I watched, uh, we all watched against the, the Celtics a couple Sundays ago where Brunson was out. Man, Tibbs like played IQ like how much like forty eight minutes or if not more because with the double overtime and oh I think he played like fifty six yeah. minutes he played like some yeah crazy, he only sat like two minutes yeah or he didn't sit out the whole second half like he was basically and he was the freshest player out there I mean given it helps when you're only like in your early twenties and you could play like that um, and but man that game was just like amazing to watch the energy quickly brings way his speed the way he could get into the lane at any time also like an underrated defender like i was seeing him get after i mean it's a tibbs team but he was getting after on defense which is why i'm sure tibbs plays him all these minutes uh and their counting stats are about the same like quickly around 13.8 brockens around 14.5 points per game uh and now with the recent stretch like the knicks you know they when they were just a 500 team you're like okay you got to give it to brockton player on the winning team but I mean, the Knicks are a winning team now too, so I think this this should go to quickly. Um, and you know, there's still 12 games left, but I do think with the Celtics continue to slide a little bit, and the Knicks maybe ahead strong, I think this should go to quickly. Uh, why don't we do Defensive Player of the Year, and then let's get to the MVP. So right now, the odds for Defensive Player of the Year: Brooke Lopez is the favorite at minus 150, Jaron Jackson at plus 140, and then everyone else is like pretty. Uh, high odds. So Bam Adebayo, Giannis, Evan Mobley, Anthony Davis. But really, it's like Brooke Lopez or Jaron Jackson looking like the two that it's going to come down to. Do you have one of them or you have someone else? So I think uh, it surprises me that Brooke Lopez has... I mean, it shouldn't surprise me that he's a good defender. It just surprises me that he's at the top of the list. Um, Same. <laughs> I, I think that it's hard when the guy next to you and Giannis is an all-world defender as well and you know you shouldn't really take that away from Brook Lopez like I mean obviously he plays really good individual defense his uh, at, at at the rim um, you know stats are really great that being said I just 
he doesn't he doesn't excite me. He remind you know. Rudy, then again, Rudy Gobert won it a bunch of times. Just like Brook doesn't excite me, and I feel like I wonder if it's because of like maybe Giannis. advanced stats or something like that. Brook is so high because I don't know what's like his defensive I, plus minus and all the warps and schnorps if like those favor him. <laughs> but I don't know how you can really individualize that when you got a guy like Drew Holiday and Giannis who haven't missed a terribly large amount of games this year, and so like. He's generally on the court with one of them, if not both of them. So I feel like that's a little bit of an iffy stat. Um, I personally go with Jaron. He's played a lot more this year. He's fouling a little bit less. And this this stretch where they've actually looked fairly competent, even without John Morant. And I know even last year they did well without John Morant and all these things. But they also haven't had, you know, Steven Adams. And that's like the the Giannis to the Jaron Jackson, you know, whatever. If you want to say these two big guys. Like one of them is missing his partner in crime that'll make sure that the boards are cleaned up or make sure that there's another intimidating bruiser down there. And Jaron doesn't really have that. And I think Jaron can do a better job getting out. Like if he gets switched on and he's guarding a guard, I think he's more likely to be able to, you know, sustain or come up with an empty possession than I think Brooke is. And you could see that, I think a couple games ago, you could see, was it, uh, maybe it was the, uh, yeah, it was the Golden State Warriors and Bucks game. And you knew every time Steph, and granted Steph, you know, one of the greatest offensive players in NBA history, but every time Steph got switched onto Brooke or Brooke got switched onto Steph, you knew it was over. Like, you know, crossover, crossover, <laughs> crossover, easy shot. Yeah. And I don't know if Jaron would do any better, but I just think he has a little bit more quickness in the perimeter. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I mean, uh, were you not convinced the other way with all those uh, fake blocks from that Reddit thread? <laughs> That's someone that. <laughs> all the mysterious Jared Jackson blocks at home did that thread not tell you that this uh, whole uh, campaign for him is actually a false campaign or no I'm just kidding oh you're telling you're telling me the NBA writers are really good <laughs> it was a curious thread and I love the the conversation between Chris Vernon and KOC on the mismatch when he brought up that Reddit thread. Oh man, that was hilarious. But I, I, yeah, I agree. I don't know why Brook Lopez is such a huge favorite. I'm, I'm questioning, is he even a better defender than Giannis? Like, is he even the best defender on his own team? I mean, Giannis is at like 12 rebounds a game. Brook is at seven. I mean, granted, rebounds aren't like the only stat, but you know, I, I would give this to Jaron Jackson as well. I mean, he's really anchoring that defense, especially without Steven Adams, who has been out for the last five weeks. That uh, He's really holding it down. The only case against Jaron Jackson is just how much he fouls, which is just like, come on, dude. Like, I mean, if you look at Jaron Jackson's minutes per game, it's only 27.8. So he just can't. I think he's made some progress. Yeah. He's made some progress in the last few months. Yeah. The one guy that I would watch out for is just uh, Bam Adebayo, like that defensive real plus minus that he's number two. It's Evan Mobley is number one, and then it's Bam Adebayo. But I just think with the way the Heat, their record, and the games that they've lost, I think that's going to ding him. So I do think it should be Jaron Jackson, but just I'm, uh, the odds makers must know something if Brook Lopez is like that much of a favorite right now. But we'll see as the and, season goes. And for Bam... And for Bam, I think a big thing here is like, I think the Heat are going to make a push. I think Butler is starting to play like playoff Butler, which, you know, might help Bam at the end of the day. If the Heat go on like, you know, I, I don't know how many games they have left. Maybe some, if they go like 10 and 2 or something like that, um, you know, that that could be a big push for him. Um, it might be a little bit too late 
with the with the whole season almost passing. But yeah, yeah, we'll look out for Bam. But I think Triple J is uh, the way to go. <laughs> All right, dude. Now for the most controversial award. Now based on like everyone, uh, every media outlet has talked about it, but. The MVP award, and I think we can both agree there's really only three candidates for this now um, at this point. And I'm just going to give you the odds, which is significant because there's been a recent shift. So Joel now is the favorite at plus 100. Um, Jokic is plus 160, so it's really close. But it was Jok- Jokic was the odds-on favorite. Now Joel's overtaken him, and then Giannis is a little further behind at plus 370. Not really sure why he's that far behind. Uh, just because the Bucks have the best record and how much how dominant Giannis has been. But I'll let you start. Who, who's your MVP? As if as right, if so through seventy game or on today, March sixteenth. Who's your MVP? Because this can change. Yeah, I think this is going to change between now and the end of the year. It's kind of going to keep these teams with their foot on the gas, which I think is really important. Even though I think essentially the the Bucks are top three locked in the east the sixers are top three locked in the east and uh and denver's probably gonna get denver's that. pretty much locked as the first seed yeah. but i think this kind of keeps things interesting personally you know i think we're pick we, these guys are so 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 elite that we're we're you know uh, it's like it's like picking at nails or whatever the saying is like i think that there's very little difference between all of their caliber that being said, you know, what I'm looking for here is a guy that uh, uh, works on both sides of the court. So I think, you know, it's easy to say best passer out of the three. If we break it down, best scorer out of the three, probably Embiid. But it might be controversial take. Uh, best passer out of the three, Jokic. Probably best defender, the uh, one that tries the hardest, probably Giannis. Um, but what I'm looking for here is who's the guy who I feel like is carrying his team and that if he were missing, they'd completely fall apart. Mm. Bucks, I think are pretty good even without Giannis. Uh, I don't think they obviously would be the best in the Eastern Conference, but I don't think that they, I think they'd be kind of like a Memphis team where like, you know, they'd probably be 500 without him or maybe a little bit worse than 500. The Nuggets, if, if Porter and Murray are healthy, and they have Aaron Gordon, uh, I think that they'd still be okay. And then I look at Philly. I've been to three of their games this year, four of their games this year. And I will say, like, if Embiid is not playing, this team is in a lot of trouble. On the offensive court, I don't think they have anywhere near what is necessary to win any games. Paul Reed is awesome, fun to watch. B-ball Paul. There's no way that there's no way he's going to hold up against any team, <laughs> uh, you know, that's relevant. And then, you know, the the very last thing before I give it up to you, obviously clearly I'm taking Embiid here. The very last thing I is that, you know, I think with these awards, it's hard to have complete uh, you know, complete like blank slate prior to this year. Jokic has won this award twice. Giannis has won this award twice. And so I think it's time. Like Embiid has been sustained good for at least three years. I think it's I think he's earned this. I think he, he deserves his uh he deserves his you know due diligence of waiting for this many years. I I think it should go down to Embiid if it were to if it were to end today. Damn. Yeah. I, I thought we were gonna have an argument here because I thought you might go with Jokic here. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with Joel too. So, and I think part of this has been the recent stretch, right? That's why we're like, man, these uh, this MVP race. And I think that's why there's so much debate and controversy over this MVP debate, just because I think it's really close. And uh, that's why people are just like digging at straws, like just trying to find something to separate these guys. And then you have people like Perkins, like, you know, bring up like issues that are maybe not related into this just don't get me started (laughs) yeah and i think it's because it's really close and if you asked me this two weeks ago i think i would have said Jokic. but now i'm gonna go with joel just and who knows in two weeks it may change i may go with Giannis. but here's the thing right the sixers they're 46 and uh just forget all the schnorps and warps and pie and the raptor number and all that sixers are 46 and 22 the Nuggets are 46 and 23. So they're basically essentially the same record. Sixers are actually ahead in the loss column now with the Denver Nuggets recent four game losing streak. So that's like there. Joel is the leading scorer in the league. He's 33 points, 33.5 points per game. It sounds like, looks like he's going to win the scoring title this year. And then, like you said, you get into this, the overall just like look at the team if Joel is not there that team is crashing like the Bucks, they were competitive on the road against the Warriors they almost won that game the Nuggets you know same they have Jamal they have Michael Porter Jr. they have guys um, but the Nuggets do are really bad when Jokic is off the court but when Joel is not there I mean this team basically it's like who else do they have and then obviously they're a G League <laughs> basically and then obviously people bring in the advanced stats, but if you look at something like player efficiency, PER, right? That's the stat that everyone always looks at. They're essentially the same. Jokic's PER is 31.68 and Joel is 31.26. I mean, that's, to me, that's that's the same. There's there's no separator there, really. Um, and we know, like, Joel is, gonna, is a better defender than Jokic. Um, and so there he has that advantage as well. So... The last thing, if there was a separator, like you said, Jokic has won two MVPs. Giannis has won two. Uh, Joel, you know, he's been close a couple of times. He's really carrying this team. Uh, the Sixers, I mean, they're they are basically almost right there with the Celtics. I think they may end up getting the the two seed. You know, they're tied in the loss column with the Celtics. It's been an incredible run. And then you kind of just go like, man, he, it's his time, right? That's the narrative aspect. Joel hasn't won one. Um, he's come close. He's got all these other things going for him. It's really very close with him and Jokic. I think the narrative comes into play then. And I, I would go with Joel this year. And I think the, you know, well, one in in the next 12 games, each of these guys plays each other. So I think that'll be telling. Uh, oh, yeah. There's two, one game right there in Denver. Th- uh, Joel versus Jokic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, and then I think, uh, uh, Embiid plays the Bucks, and I am pretty sure that uh, the Bucks play Denver as well. So I think all three of these guys are going to play each other before the end of the season, barring them missing a game. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is like in the last, I think, three weeks, Embiid has had two buzzer beaters to win a game. I mean, that, that's got to give him <laughs> yeah, some points. Yeah, yeah. The one against the Blazers, and then I think he had another one. Yeah. And then when he went in... I think it was against the Heat. The other one was against the Heat. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the fact that they went into Milwaukee and won that game, like, they, they just... The Sixers have been impressive. Um, it's just going to be like, hey, is Harden going to show up in the playoffs for, like, their team success? But and honestly, I think one thing that's not spoken about is I think Joel got a pass for a lot of those uh, playoffs because it was always, like, 
the blame went to Simmons. Last year it went to Harden. He's not been that amazing in the playoffs, uh, Joel. And so I think that's something that people like shit on Jokic because they're like, he's one of these last two MVPs. Last year he lost 4-1 to the Warriors. The year before he got swept out of the playoffs by the Suns. But, you know, he didn't really ha- he didn't have Murray that year. Last year he had no Murray and Porter. So there's, there were excuses built in. But I think for both of them, this is a year that it's going to be like put up or show up uh, kind of playoffs. Yeah, I think the other last thing for for Embiid is like he's going to push hard for this because he obviously wants it probably more than the other two guys. I just really, you know, with this track record in the playoff and injury, freak injuries or small injuries, like I just hope that he doesn't get injured between now and the end of the season because I think this regular season award means a lot to him. And truly, I think he should win it. I wish it wasn't this close that he can kind of like crank it down, but it is really close. I hope that he does realize that, uh, you know, um, these last 12 games will probably swing some voters. But if they keep winning games, even if his performance is not like buzzer beater after buzzer beater, I think if they close out the season strong, I think they're eight and two in the last 10. If they close out the season strong and end up with a better record than Denver I think that the argument kind of goes away. So I hope he's streaking towards more team-based accolades between now and the end of the season than personal. Yeah, I mean, even if he doesn't campaign, we know Daryl Morey will campaign on his behalf and publicly shame people for uh, not voting for Joel. So he always has that going for him too. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well, I think uh, we'll, we'll see a lot more in these next 12 games. I think this is a really, really, really exciting um, race. And I think it's been this way for the last couple of years. Uh, My fingers are crossed that Embiid pulls it out. I think the guy deserves it, not just for this year, but his track record over the last couple of years. I agree. But before we go off on this pod, man, I just got to ask you one thing. And I didn't like prep you for this, but we haven't had you on this pod for a while. Just, man, throughout this Knicks like recent hot streak, like you guys are what, like 42 or 41 in 2030 right now? How's the season been going for you, man? How you been feeling about this team? Like you're gonna make, I think you guys are gonna make the playoffs, right? At this point, yeah, I think uh, we do play the Heat twice uh, between now and the end of the season. So, and and they're making a little bit of a streak. I mean, certainly at this point, I think play. We're definitely gonna make the play-in game. I think it's like you know the Heat might bump either the Nets or us. I'm actually super surprised that the Nets are as good as they have been since the trade and. I'm a little bit more afraid of them than I thought I would be when the trade went down. But let's put that aside. This team is fun to watch. I mean, as a Knicks fan, that's really all you can ask for. A team with heart that goes out, plays hard. I think nobody's fooling themselves. You know, this this Knicks team is very, very unlikely to win a championship. But every game they go out and play, they play like it's a championship game. And that's all you can ask for as a sports fan from a team you know you know except for the spoiled sports fans like yourself who've won many championships since you became a fan of the sport as as a sports fan that's never had any success i'd much rather have a team that's fun to watch that's winning games and winning games together than than anything else so like i love this next team you know i i i hope that they and i and i really really hope that they do better than they did against the hawks because i think that that season the knicks were great like, I think people, obviously, they got beat up by the Hawks. They got embarrassed by the Hawks. But I think because of that, people look down on the Knicks pretty hard. And if you look back at the regular season, I get it. You know, the playoffs is where it matters. You got to shut up. And that and was just like one up. of those weird but, years. No fans in the crowd. Like, you know, it was like a weird COVID year. But 
And and that and I think this is this team. I I just I, I need Jalen Brunson to get healthy because without a healthy Jalen Brunson, this team, as much as they've won even without him the last couple of games, uh, they're not going anywhere. So uh, fingers crossed. Fun to watch. I'm excited. It's good uh, that I get to watch playoff basketball again. That's not always a thing for me. So uh, don't take playoffs for granted for all you sports fans out there. <laughs> yeah, I, this team plays so hard. I, I saw it against the, uh, the when they, you guys played the Lakers on Sunday. Uh, no Brunson, second night of a back-to-back. That's not a game you're supposed to win, and they won that game. I was just like, man, so impressed. Tim's got this team playing like the way he does. Ever since you guys took out Rose and Fournier out of the lineup and he's started playing short in the rotation, seems to been on a great streak. Uh, and if, but I can't even imagine like what Nick's Twitter it must be like just such high feelings this year. You guys have like a like you know what was it a couple years ago? It was like Bing Bong, right? Is there something like that this year on Nick's Twitter? Yep. Like and before and you know back in twenty fourteen, Nick's tape. tape. Yeah. Has there been like something like that this year, like with Bing Bong or something like that? <laughs> Not uh, I, not that I'm aware of. I think early on we started getting our mid three, and I think people have stuck with the mid three. You know, oh. with the combination of Brunson, Randall, yeah. and Barrett, and you know, uh, we'll, we'll continue rolling with the mid three and IQ and yeah. these guys. I think they're. I, I hope that there is no catchy name because uh, I think that takes away from the the amazingness that, that yeah. has been this team. I mean, at, at the very worst case, you know, you guys are six up on the Hawks for the eight seed, so I don't see you guys falling below seven uh which means you will at least get to host a play-in game and you know after that's anyone's anyone's tor- tournament so uh, but yeah man i mean it, we only got a couple weeks left so we'll follow up on these awards races playoff previews all that's going to be coming up soon yeah enjoy the d- down down the stretch right. man it's been good right, i'll talk to you later see you guys signing off on this pod i want to give a shout out to our producer sandeep and to let all the listeners know to help us out and follow us on Instagram at bsjpod and on Twitter as well at bsjpod. You can also find all our episodes uploaded onto our website at www.bsjpod.com. Thank you. <laughs>